It's Wednesday, October 14th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, the Indians and really baseball in general suffered a, a pretty big loss last night as Ray Fossey, a two-time All-Star catcher for Cleveland and uh, a longtime broadcaster for the Oakland Athletics, uh, passed away. He had been battling cancer for the last uh, 16 years, according to his family. And I, I just know that everybody within the Indians organization sort of feels this loss. Uh, a guy who was, uh, you know, just one of the fan favorites, a favorite of the organization, and uh, just a good all-around guy. Just a great guy, Joe. It's really too bad. You know, I wondered, what, you know, how, how sick Ray must have been just to step away from you know, the A's broadcasting job in August, you know, when he made the announcement, because I, I don't think anybody really knew he was, he was, you know, battling cancer for that. Long. And, uh, you know, but what, what a, what a good dude. I mean, you, Joe, you would shake hands with that guy and your hand would disappear. I mean, his <laughs> hands were like as big as catcher's mitts. It, it was, and he loved Cleveland, man. He, he, you know, he, he told me, uh, that, you know, when, when the A's would come to Cleveland and, you know, he'd come here to do the games, he'd, he'd walk around downtown. People would still remember him as, as you know, with his, from his days with the Indians and uh, just, just, a, just a great guy. And uh, just like you said, just a terrible loss. Well, and he was an all-star for the Indians in 1970 and in 1971. Uh, that 1970 game pretty much, uh, gave him, uh, you know, good or bad. It was, it was the uh, the moment that everybody sort of remembers and associates with Ray Fossey, and that's the uh, the twelfth inning of the All Star game when Pete Rose came barreling around third base and just plowed into him. Uh, eventually, uh, separated his shoulder uh, and there was a fracture in there, and and really what was. Uh, a really outstanding first half of a, a season there for Ray Fossey. You know, he, he never sort of really recovered from that injury. And he would say like years later that, you know, his, his body still hurt from that hit. Yeah. That changed his career. Um, and it was, you know, it really caused a, uh, some friction between the two, you know, Rose and, and Fossey, uh, you know, the story goes, they were at, they were at, you know, that the, the all-star game that year was in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Sam McDowell took Ray Fossey to to uh, to Rose's house the night before uh, the game for a party, and uh, you know, and they were like, you know, they were, you know, they got to meet each other, and you know, they 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 were like real friendly, and then you know, and it comes to the game, and uh, you know, you know, Rose just played like Rose, and and, and hammered uh, Fossey basically in an exhibition game. And that was when catchers blocked the plate. Mm -hmm. He was blocking the plate and, and Ray really just never recovered. And uh, he didn't, you know, I tried to talk to him once about it and, but I never got a hold of him. I don't think he liked talking too much about the whole incident. There was, you know, just, just some, some bad vibes between the two guys. Yeah. And, and, and that play uh, is, is very polarizing throughout baseball. It's shown every year during the all-star game. It's shown as a part of packages for for highlights of you know greatest baseball moments, and I I don't I, I don't think people really understand you know why it, it's uh, some people will hold it up as an example of 
you know, Pete Rose and, and the toughness and the, you know, he'll do anything to win at all costs. And he's Charlie Hustle in this. But but really, it was it was completely unnecessary because he would have scored anyways on the play. You know, even if he hadn't made contact with Fossey, you wouldn't see a play like that nowadays because they've they've legislated and they've made rules and adjustments so that contact like that can't happen. They call it malicious contact. That was about as malicious as you can get. Rose even stood over Fossey after the play. You can see it on the video. He, he stood over and he looked at him. Nowadays, that that wouldn't happen. Yeah, and uh, you know, and and you know, there's, there's those two schools of thought. You know, like the All Star Game. You know, people don't play it hard anymore. Now it's just an exhibition. Back then, there was really a rivalry between the, the American and National League. There was no interleague play. Uh, so, you know, that was for bragging rights. And, you know, some people use that as an example of old school, like you were saying, you know, that's, that's how you're supposed to play in the all-star game. But uh, boy, when you think about the consequences, it's, it's, you know, one play in a, in a meaningless exhibition game, you, you know, you, you, uh, you, you got to wonder. And, but, you know, to Fossey's credit, he, he continued playing. He went to the A's. You know, they won two World Series championships with him there, with him catching. And, uh, you know, and he, and he found a career for his life, you know, a, a lifelong career for himself after he retired. Yeah, he, he went back uh, after he came back to, to Cleveland, after he played in, in, in Oakland. He came back to Cleveland and he was uh, behind the plate when Eckersley threw his uh, no hitter. Uh, so that, you know, a, a big standout memory for, for Fossey that that he would always sort of talk about. And, uh, you know, it was funny that he would, he got to, you know, broadcast and call games that Eckersley played for Oakland uh, eventually later in his career. So when, when the two of them would come back to, uh, to Cleveland, uh, it was, it was interesting to just hear them talk about, you know, the old days in the old stadium that, that he wasn't too, too fond of. Yeah. I I liked your story uh, today on cleveland.com when, when he, when you quoted Gaylord Perry about, you know, how Fossey would get him fired up when he came out to the mound, when he was catching him. Yeah. I, I it was funny cause I, I went back and I dug through a bunch of uh, old uh, clips, <laughs> actually stories that you probably wrote years and years ago uh, and, and just pulled out some old quotes from Fossey uh, about visiting Cleveland and about, you know, enjoying being here. Uh, really a, a big standout memory of, of Fossey was that, that 2001 uh, 100th anniversary of the the Indians and the the 100 greatest players, you know, you could really tell that he was tickled to be there and just he was like a kid in a candy store around all those Indians legends that that he was a part of uh, of that that great group of 100 greatest uh, Indians players of all times, and you know he's talking about how he had you know Mel Harder's you know baseball cards and, and things like that. It, it's it, it, and that was genuine. That was that was definitely who he was. Yeah, that that's a great point, Joe. That was, and uh, I just remember him just you know caring so much about the Indians. Care, you know, he'd always ask what was going on with the team, uh, and you know, he he said when he came back to Cleveland, you know, he people still remembered him. You know, he really liked that. He really really liked, uh, you know, uh, when the team was in in town. That that you know that he. 
he, you know, they still knew who he was and he could walk around downtown and people would stop him and say, you're Ray Fossey, right? And, and so that, 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 that made a, an impression on him. Yeah, and uh, I, I recall reading some things where, you know, back in 2003, 2004, when the Indians were struggling and Eric Wedge was, was on his way out, you know, he, he made a point to stop in Wedge's, uh, Wedge's office and tell him, hey, you know, things aren't going your way right now, but you're, you're a good man, you're a good coach, and he sort of, uh, you know, he cared about people, and you could tell that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. Uh, so, uh, again, rest in peace, Ray Fossey, the Indians, and the Athletics. And really all of baseball uh, lost uh, a really good one there uh, uh, last night. Uh, the Indians are, are actually the Guardians. Okay. Uh, Cleveland, Cleveland's baseball team is uh, losing a good one as well as we found out uh, last night that Carter Hawkins, uh, who's been with the, the club for, gosh, uh, what, 14 years? 14 uh, years, yeah. He's, uh, he's the assistant general manager under Mike Chernoff right now, but it's uh, pretty much a done deal that he is going to go and take the general manager job uh, for the Cubs. Yeah, well, a big, big, a big promotion for Carter, uh, you know, and uh, Jed Hoyer, the uh, you know president of baseball operations uh, with the Cubs has, you know, been going through the interview process and really, uh, you know, when Theo Epstein stepped away uh, from the team after the 2020 uh, season with the Cubs, you know, uh, Hoyer kind of got promoted. He was a GM under uh, Epstein and, and he got the promotion to the director of baseball operations, but he, he kind of sat back and waited a year, you know, just to get to know the staff, I guess, or just to kind of settle into the new job before going out and hiring a, hiring a, uh, a GM. So uh, it looks like Carter's a guy and, uh, you know, well-deserved, uh, you know, he's kind of a guy that, you know, worked his way through the, through the ranks. He was, um, you know, he's a, a, he joined the team as the Indians as a scouting intern. Then he, you know, became a, you know, became, started working full-time with the uh, professional scouting department, then moved to assistant, uh, director of the player development and director of player development. And then uh, I think in 2016, he, he took the, uh, you know, he became an assistant GM under uh, Chernoff. There's, I think there's three, well, there's two assistants. There, there, there was three assistant GMs under, under Mike with, uh, you know, Matt Foreman, Sky Andrichek, the other guys. And I'm not sure how they replaced Carter or, you know, what, what the, uh, the, the order of succession is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they they probably reshuffle things around. Maybe if there's there's two others there, Sky and 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 others that could you know assume some duties, or who knows, maybe they promote from within. I, I think that's more of a a promote from within sort of opportunity than maybe to go out and and hire uh, somebody. But uh, we we had heard that James Harris might be a, a candidate for that position as well. Uh, doesn't mean that the Indians are going to keep or that, that Cleveland is going to keep Harris. I mean, he could certainly be, uh, you know, snatched up by, by another organization for uh, another job. Uh, he's certainly a, a, a worthy candidate as well. Yeah. You know, the Indians have, have done a great job of uh, developing front office people. You know, they've got a great culture. You know, I think, uh, you know, you can just see the number of people that, you know, have gotten their start here in Cleveland, you know, kind of, kind of worked their way up the ladder and then gone on to, 
to, you know, to, uh, you know, bigger and important jobs, you know, running, running their own, own ball clubs, basically. And, uh, you know, I think uh, this is, you know, that Indians tree, I guess, you, you know, is spreading, spreading throughout Major League Baseball. Now, if they, they do, you know, so they do, do a great job with pitchers, developing mm-hmm. pitchers, front office personnel. Now they got to start developing some hitters, Joe. I was going to say, uh, when, when does that uh, tree branch out into outfield, uh, power hitting outfielders? Uh, that would be one to, to sort of pick up. But, you know, you make a point like Carter Hawkins. He's started as a 23 year old and he was fresh out of Vanderbilt where he, you know, had connections to. Uh, I, I believe he said he, he, he caught for Jensen Lewis. Uh, yeah, he was know, a catcher, a catcher at Vanderbilt. And one of the guys Andy who boys are him, everywhere, sure. aren't they? Jensen Lewis. Yeah. I, I, you got to say, there's Vandy boys are all over the, uh, um, the the landscape here in in Major League Baseball. But but you're right, uh, it, it's not just you know now with with Hawkins with the Cubs, uh, you've got guys in in Minnesota, you've got uh, Shapiro is in uh, in Toronto, and he's got guys under him that were with the Indians. Yeah, Ross uh, Atkins is in Ross Toronto. Atkins, and in I, I believe in uh, Pittsburgh, isn't there? Uh, yeah, Neil Huntington was in uh, uh, Pittsburgh. Then he was replaced by Ben Charrington. Both uh, both Cleveland guys. Uh, uh, Josh Burns is, uh, you know, being mentioned as uh, possible the new uh, head baseball guy with the Mets. And and David Stearns, you know, has has you know really kind of revitalized the the Brewers and got them into the postseason. And he got you know he was. Uh, he was uh, with the Indians, so you know, lots of lots of Indians executives throughout throughout baseball. Right, and it, like you said, it just goes to demonstrate the their ability to sort of identify talent, whether that's either on the field or uh, in the front office, and, and guys who just uh, you know sort of operate and make the right moves and and sort of learn from that. I, I think Antonetti and Chernoff uh, have a lot to do with you know setting that sort of environment uh but it was it was handed on down to them you know from guys uh, before them as well and in Shapiro and even going all the way back to John Hart I mean I don't know the, the yeah Indians. no that's you you got that perfectly right Joe I mean John Hart Danny O'Dowd Mark Shapiro you know all these guys they they kind of that succession you know they just uh, pass it along you know they they they, they create a good culture uh, they, they surround themselves with smart people, maybe people smarter than themselves. And, uh, you know, they, they don't let, they aren't intimidated by uh, the fact that, you know, they are, you know, that, that they're always willing to listen to new ideas and, you know, and that, that makes the organization stronger and they're always ready to kind of move on and, re, you know, find another guy, a, a replacement. Yeah, I'll know. I, nothing exemplifies their willingness to take in all the information more to me than when I'm standing on the top of that hill in, in Williamsport and I'm watching <laughs> and I'm watching Antonetti, uh, you know, basically scout out all the eight year olds who are, are sliding down the hill on cardboard, uh, getting the right information on how to do it. And then he executes the perfect dive uh, down the uh, down the hill. You know, it looks like he's been a professional doing it all of his life. Whereas, you know, others among us are, are not so <laughs> elegant and graceful, but we'll, uh, we'll move on from that. 
There's never been a better time to register for Indian subtext and get all your Cleveland Indians news with updates from Cleveland.com reporters Paul Hoynes and Joe Noga. Get on board now by going to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians. Our subscriber-based service gives you the latest news, analysis, and more from the Indians. For $3.99 a month, you get everything we're hearing from the team and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone, even before it's up on cleveland.com. And you can text us directly with your questions and opinions on everything from the team's name to that day's lineup. And it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why sign up? Hear from one of our subscribers. I'm uh, Jeff Heinerson. I grew up there in Milan, Ohio, but I now live out in Idaho. I've been here for 40 years and uh, my son was born and raised here and I got him as a birthday present, uh, your subtext. And I wanted to thank Paul for sending him a birthday greeting and to tell you that he is really enjoying the subtext. He even he's not from Ohio, but because he grew up with me, he's hardcore Indian fan. So thanks again. Jeff and all of our Indian subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the Indians and the best way to keep up is with Indian subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or better yet, text Hoinsey at 216-208-4346. Again, that's 216-208-4346. We look forward to hearing from you on Indian subtext. Tonight, Game five. This is what baseball wants: the drama, the the uh, the rivalry, the the big game between the Giants and the uh, Dodgers. Basically, you've got two hundred win teams vying for uh, the last spot in the league championship series round. They uh, the winner will face the Braves in the NLCS. So. What do you got? Who who are you picking in this one? This is this is a great matchup, Joe. Uh, Julio Urias, uh, twenty game winner, is going for the Dodgers. He's one and zero in in the uh, you know NLDS. And uh, look at Logan Webb, who was eleven and three during the regular season, and uh, he he's one and zero in in. The, I think he won the opener. He won yeah, the didn't opener. Webb throw a gem in the opener? I mean, he was yeah. he was lights out. So. Yes, struck out ten guys in the opener for the for the Giants. So this is a great matchup. Uh, really, really, you know, if you look at uh, look at the scores, I mean, San Francisco wins game one four to nothing. L.A. wins the second game nine to two. San Francisco comes back and, and wins the, the th- game three one to nothing, and then the Dodgers blow them out again seven to two in game four to to face you know to face to. Uh, to get to a game five and avoid elimination. I, you know, I'm probably late to all this, you know, just throughout the season. How are the giants doing this? How are the giants putting this together? Uh, you know, we, we don't hear, I know Kevin Gosman had a good year. That was a, a great sign uh, for the, for the giants there, but just what are they doing differently this year that makes them able to go up against the, this juggernaut uh, Dodgers team and compete and, and win? Yeah, that's a great question because everyone was picking them for, this was supposed to be a rebuilding year for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they were picking them for the middle of the pack in the, the NL, the NL West. Uh, they like Gosman and, and De Scalfani, um, you know, they really kind of revitalized those pitchers. Uh, a guy like Logan Webb, you know, and then they got great, 
great uh, seasons from, you know, Buster Posey came back and, and, and uh, Crawford at shortstop is having an MVP season. All those kind of that nucleus of uh, those veterans from the, what the, what, what they went through three or two or three world series, you know, they, they won a, a world series every odd year from 2012 to, you know, or even uh, every even year from 2010 yeah. to uh, 2014. So under Bruce uh, Bochy and also, Bochy, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, Yastrzemski's grandson has had a, a good year for him too. So, you know, and they're doing this without Brandon belt, their captain. He's uh, he's been injured uh, in, the, in the postseason. Yeah. He got hurt. Their first baseman got hurt. Uh, so, you know, and Muncie, you know, so the Dodgers had lost Muncie and, and the, and the Giants lost, uh, lost uh, a belt. So it, it but it's going to be a, it's going to be a good series, you know, a good, well, it is a good series and now it's, we're going to get a, a winner one way or the other. All right. We'll look forward to uh, hearing who wins that game and, and talking about it tomorrow on the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. Twinsy, we will uh, check in with you then. All right, Joe. 